Hello, I'm Emile Bellet, founder of Vespod, author of You're Not Broke, You're Pretty Rich, and you're listening to The Wallet. Every week, we give you the best tips, guidance, and a good other inspiration and motivation to manage your money better. Before we start, I have an announcement. You know it's been a journey with The Wallet, but we enjoyed every step of the way. We've just reached over 200,000 downloads, and yesterday, The Wallet won its first award. We actually won two Love Your Awards in the Health and Wellness Podcast category. It's really an honor and we are super proud. I wanted to thank you for listening every week and voting in the lobby. Thank you to all the guests we interviewed on the show, our sponsors, the Vespot team, and in particular, our amazing producer, Mira, and writer, Veronica. But let's get back to today's topic. What is it about self-promotion that feels so awkward for so many of us? Why are we sometimes scared to self-promote in the workplace or with our clients? And how can we ask for more? How can we be more of our own cheerleader? My guest today is the brilliant Stephanie Sword-Williams, author, founder of Fuck Being Humble and TEDx talk speaker. She made it her goal to show people that self-promotion is something we can all adopt. We've just got to choose the narrative we want to tell. Say hello to Chase, the digital bank that makes everyday rewarding. We know little extra cash is always welcome. That's why banking with Chase is packed full of rewards. Like 1% cash back on your everyday debit card spending for a whole year at home and when you're abroad. Download the Chase banking app to open your free account today. You must be over 18 and a UK resident to apply. Cashback exceptions apply. Remember that we are not certified financial advisors. Information shared in this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not constitute financial advice. Can you tell me a little bit more about the journey creating Fuck Being Humble? Yes, so I started Fuck Being Humble in 2018 and it all started because when I first moved to London, I worked in a new job and I took on two roles in a startup, which I will never do again. (laughs) Um, I was an account manager and I was also a new business manager. And I thought that working in new business would be really easy because I'm a chatty person. And very quickly, I realized how hard it was. And what I was doing was attending lots of events to try and generate new business, meet new clients. And whilst attending these events, I just noticed there was very often the same people speaking on the same topics. I'm from the North, if you can't detect. I'm from uh, Leeds (laughs) and I used to live in Manchester. And for me, I just felt like there wasn't a huge amount of representation that I connected with as someone who was, you know, 25 at the time, newly in London, wasn't running a business for 10 years. And I can also imagine that there wasn't for a whole load of women that are living in London, considering what a diverse city we have. So in that experience, I realised that there was definitely a space for some disruption and to hear some new voices. And at the same time, I had a lot of friends coming to me asking me for advice on how to pitch themselves, interview tips, CV prep. And that that came off the back of the fact that I actually moved jobs really regularly. I moved jobs six times in seven years. And I don't say that with any embarrassment or shame. But I did that because of the the right moves for me. And in doing so, it meant I, I learned a lot about pitching. And my job was to work in advertising at the time. So all of these reasons kind of blended into one. So we had the fact that there was a lack of representation. There felt like there was a need for support amongst my friends. So I thought there must be support needed for other people. And also for me personally, I was working in advertising and, and I absolutely loved my job. And it was actually at the peak of my career in advertising. 
I just felt like I wanted to do more public speaking. I wanted to create more of a name for myself. And I also wanted to create new networks and communities and friends. You know, I was, I'd recently moved to London and I wanted to find my tribe and my type of people. So I decided that I was going to start an Instagram account and that started off very humbly with a small audience and then gradually build up to starting an event. So I started in June and I launched my first event in September and yeah, it just grew really organically. Um, my events grew, spread, like word of mouth was really is a thing. People were talking about it. And within the first six months, I was approached to write a book, which I initially said no to and then said yes to. <laughs> and I have grown the business ever since. I decided to quit my job in 2020 to run the business full time. And then the pandemic hit, so I had no events to speak at. So that was slightly stressful. <laughs> but I'm really proud to say that we're, you know, doing the best we've ever been doing and working on some amazing projects with some great clients and still growing the community globally. So that's a bit of a whistle-stop tour, but there, I trust me, I could go on longer. But I think <laughs> they're the highlights. And um, and if we talk, I mean, we're going to talk a little bit about, about money and, of course, like self-promotion. Can you tell me why, you know, self-promotion still feels very awkward? Why is it still a taboo uh, for, for most of us? I believe that we've actually been told the wrong story for so long. So for me personally, and I talked about this when I gave my TEDx talk, that the saying, if you work hard, you'll go far, far is flawed. Yeah. Like it's absolutely flawed because how many of us work really, really hard and then don't actually go that far. And I think a big piece of the puzzle that is missing is the discussion around self-promotion. Because when you look at all the famous singers, journalists, authors, influencers, they have agents, they have marketing teams, they have people selling and promoting. And in the same way that brands don't just put a product out to the world and expect that they'll be queuing around the corner, they do advertising, they do marketing. But for some reason, when it comes to the individual, to the everyday normal people, the discussion of self-promotion is just one, not talked about enough, but two, we're not actually taught how to do it in a way that feels authentic to ourselves. So I, I actually avoid using the word personal branding because I see the change in people's face when that word is mentioned. People kind of get the ick and they look a bit like, oh, no, that's not for me. <laughs> and I think, again, there's some weird connotations around the whole theme of self-promotion. I always say at my events, the act of self-promotion is not arrogant. When you break down what self-promotion means, self means I, and promotion is just an activity that supports an aim or a goal. I open all my speeches saying that, just to really bring people into the room and remind them that whatever narrative they've built around the topic of self-promotion, that is not the definition of it. So, you know, when you break it down, it really is just about finding the narrative that you want to share and promote about yourself. And that's what I try and do is move away from the jargon-filled, icky language that people see and hear in the personal branding space and actually talk more about like go out and get what you deserve and go tell people how good you are because if you don't who else is going to do it and I, I try and hit people with more sort of factual points of what will happen if they don't do self-promotion so I understand why we are scared of it I actually talk about it in my book um, I describe it as FOSS the fear of sounding stupid And I think this is something that affects a lot of us. We're worried about if we self-promote, what will people say? What will people think? What if they don't agree with us? But 
in doing so, what we actually end up doing is watering ourselves down. So we never really stand out. So I think for anyone listening, I would just really, really encourage you to step away from any predetermined um, explanations or experiences you have with self-promotion and actually really look at it as an opportunity to grow yourself and grow the career direction and trajectory you want to go down. I completely agree with you. And also in my experience of so setting a Vespot, I, you know, I thought I'm, I'm just going to hide behind my company, my logo, and, and not really do any yeah, self-promotion or, you know, show you know show what we're doing and achievements and stuff like that also because it can feel super scary to put yourself uh, out there to start you know promoting yourself uh, public speaking is is part of it um and for me the big question was how you know how can i get started how can i overcome this this fear of public speaking and still remain quite authentic in in everything i do so if you have a few a few tips around that i believe authenticity is that thing inside you that goes, oh, this doesn't feel right, or oh my God, I'm so excited to say or do this. And only really you know that dial. I always talk about this at my public speaking event, like please don't try and mirror and copy other people because it won't show up well. You can have your own speaking style. And I actually give a list of different people. So you've got people like Louis Theroux, who speaks completely different to Cardi B, who speaks completely different to Oprah, who speaks completely different to Will Smith. There are so many amazing speakers out there that we can look at. But so often we try and emulate people. And the reason it doesn't feel natural is because it doesn't feel fitting to us. So whilst it's great to look at some of the things that people do well, don't try and copy them. Because I think so often that's where we start to feel uncomfortable in the process of speaking up. And then I also just think, you know, it sounds an obvious thing to say, but also observe what things people aren't doing. So when I was starting off on my journey around public speaking, what I realised was when it came to events, all the events I went to were interview led. So it was panel based or it was an interview with. And I was like, why are there no like interactive workshops or where's the stuff where people literally walk out and go, I can do this tomorrow. And just observing what was missing was actually a really great way to help me find my own way of doing things. And in the same vein, for me personally, like so many events I went to and so many corporate training programs were just so dry. They were like PowerPoint presentations delivered by like an old man in a crappy suit and a shit tie, you know, sorry for swearing, but you know, it was so, it was so expected. So as you can obviously tell with the title, fuck being humble, I really try to disrupt at every stage And that can be everything from the branding to the tone, to the fact that I put memes and GIFs in my presentations, to the fact that I used to name my events after my favourite R&B lyrics. Um, One of them was Bitch, But I Have My Money. You know, like (laughs) it was it was like, let's look at everything everyone's doing and where could we just push it that bit further at every touch point? And I think so often sometimes people just think, oh, I've picked some cool colours, that'll do the job. Or, oh, we've got a really unique product, that will do the job. And it it really isn't that, you know, to your point is that you thought that you could hide behind your brand and actually so much of what people buy is is you as well. So I think it's it's really important to figure out where you fit 
and also figure out where you can disrupt and to really own it in the process. Um, some I've recently worked on a big project with L'Oreal and I actually shared when I was pr- promoting it on socials, I was saying that one of the things that I loved about working with them is that for a really long time, I felt like I did have to slightly dilute myself or my brand yeah. to fit in. And I've been asked to deliver talks where I only say F being humble or I'm not actually even allowed to say my business name and I'm not allowed to promote my book because of the word. And, you know, obviously there's some opportunities I've said yes to, some I've said no to. But what I felt really welcomed by when I was working with L'Oreal's brand Kerastas was the my brand and my vision was plastered on every presentation slide it was on all the walls everyone I met was like we know so much about you and it just felt really affirming that I didn't actually sort of quieten my voice to a point where I wasn't recognizable or I wasn't memorable so I think you know if you're struggling to connect with people when you do find that distinctive tone it's also about making sure that you keep pushing to find those rooms where you are celebrated and you are welcomed for being exactly who you are and you know I've been running my business for four years and I would say this is the first client I really really felt got me and so I think with that learning it is just keep persevering when you do find that distinctive tone and find the people that do want to see you as your full self. Yeah, and I think it gets easier with with time. You know, the more you do it, it's like, you know, training is like a muscle, like, you know, public speaking, self-promotion, and you get better at it. You f- you really find find your voice. Um, I-, I wanted to touch base a little bit about, you know, women in the workplace or even like women, you know, freelancers talking with, with their clients. We've had, her, you know, a lot of like backlashes around around women, how we can be, you know, unfairly treated. And that means that sometimes women because i mean it's a podcast for women so let's talk about women um but we can be quite scared of you know self self promotion because of you know these these outside pressures um what advice would you give um to 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 everyone so i think women in the workplace and self promotion is such an interesting topic and it's something that i really would love to see women not only promoting themselves, but also creating spaces for other women to promote. Because not everybody feels comfortable. And actually, for any men that are listening, um, also, please do make sure that you are involved in creating these spaces because it takes a lot of courage to self-promote. I'm not going to pretend that it doesn't. It takes confidence. But if we can create spaces where it is accepted to self-promote... so. I talk about this. So me and two of my friends, we have um, we do our wins before dins on a Friday night where we voice note two to three things that we've done that week that we're proud of. And what we love about that, one is the accountability, but two is the fact that we're practicing verbalizing, talking about our successes, because that's as hard as writing it down. And I shared this story with a lot of my clients and, you know, Dove have gone on to do Win Wednesdays. I know the BBC started a group on Fridays where they create circles, where they come together and they go, right, for the next hour, we're just going to celebrate one thing we've done this week that we're proud of. So I think in the initial starting point, just doing something like that, where you create these trusted spaces for people to really celebrate themselves and feel comfortable with celebrating themselves. I recently worked with Lean In, Cheryl Cheryl Sanderberg's uh, foundation, and they host Lean In Circles. And they told me that the, the amazing insights they're seeing this year 
is that for the first time, the biggest trend they're seeing is women are celebrating themselves in these circles and we're supporting each other. So I was, you know, absolutely thrilled to hear this. So I think if we can create more of these circles in internal corporate spaces, that's a great place to start. I think the second thing that I think is super important is to... I think what's tough for a woman is, and I'm sure we'll talk about this, is sometimes there is different expectations. Sometimes there are different experiences of what what is good and what is bad and what people think we should be doing. But what is really beneficial is to look around and see the women that you think do self-promotion well. Make note of what they're doing well. What are the, how are they presenting it? When are they doing it? What are the words they're using? What language are they using? And make sure that you're celebrating them as much as you want to be celebrated. Because I think so often with self-promotion, we think that we'll put something out and everybody will flock to support us and it'll be amazing. But it's such a two-way street of cheerleading other people and in order to be cheerleaded back. And I think if you want to feel that support, you also need to give that support. So make sure that you identify those people, but make sure that you're also celebrating other women when they say they've done a good job on an email, reply to them and say, congratulations, that's amazing. Or if they've spoken up in a meeting, be like, oh, I'm so glad you mentioned that, you know, help to make them feel part of that so that when it comes to you doing that, you'll also feel that support. I think it's really important. Um, And I I think also just breaking down how big it needs to be. So I did a talk recently where I said, when I used to work in agency world, if I got a good piece of feedback, I would just forward it to my boss saying, this is nice. Yeah. And it didn't need to be anything more than that. But so often <laughs> we overcomplicate, you know, how do I self-promote? How do I do this? Literally send your boss an email saying, hi, here's three things I've done this week that I'm happy with. And here's three, three things I'm going to do next week. You know, it doesn't need to be bigger than than these things, but they could have such an amazing impact. And anything that is done digitally, where it is done via email, in a newsletter, there's a digital paper trail of your successes for either you to remind yourself or you to remind your boss of all the great things you're doing. So please don't leave your success to chance and don't leave it in the hands of other people. Make sure that you're the one driving that narrative and you're the one telling people about your successes. Completely uh, agree with this. And I, I love this idea of having like a Friday catch up with friends or, you know, even with yourself and writing your, your wins for the week because we tend to forget about this and focus on the negatives and looking at our to-do list and all the things we haven't done and thinking, you know, we're not we're not good enough. We're not we're not worth it. So it's I think it's it's really motivating. Do, do you think privilege comes in, into this, especially um, in, in the workplace and that, you know, self-promotion is not going to be the same for everyone? I actually went away and I asked a few friends about this and whether they feel it and they experience it, uh, you know, women of, of different backgrounds. And I think inherently there are, well, there's there's multiple ways in which privilege comes along with this. The very fact that you have a smartphone or access to the internet and you can promote on LinkedIn or you have audiences means that you are privileged in some way, shape or form um, because you have access to all of those things. Not everyone does. But I think when it comes to our identities, when it comes to um, where we've come from, our experiences, of course, privilege comes into play because I think ultimately so often it's hard for people to be their full selves. I know for black and brown women in my network, 
they don't always feel like they can show up as their full selves. So then for me to say, oh, and go self-promote on top of that, I understand that actually there is going to be circumstances, environments where it is harder for people, particularly those of minority groups who don't feel uh, as comfortable with showing up as their full selves. And in which case that will affect how they are capable or comfortable with promoting themselves. So I think any any time where you feel like a minority, that will always affect how comfortable or confident you feel in promoting yourself 100%. I think what I would love to see more of is people trying to break down those barriers and create safe spaces for people to flourish and feel they can actually advocate for themselves in a way that feels authentic to them so yeah I I think we have to always be mindful of this which is why I mentioned earlier about creating those safe spaces where everybody can come together and and feel like they can share their wins unapologetically and they can do that however they want to do that is is something that would be amazing to see and something that I think is really important and I talked about this in my book actually that you know Uh, the black female experience is completely different to those who are South Asian, to those who are white, you know, to to everyone's experience. I'm sure you as well, Emily, you are from France originally, you've come to the UK, you know, there'll be different nuances that you experience as well. So I think what's important is that we understand they are present and ask how we can try and create more inclusive spaces so that people do feel comfortable to self-promote. Yeah, and, and I love this idea that if you're in a place of, of privilege, you know, it's really recognizing that and, and thinking about how can I help those around me in the workplace, you know, friends, freelancers, business owners around us. So you're your own cheerleader, but you're also, you know, cheerleading your, you, you know, your friends and, and people around you. It's not it's not easy, but I guess it's it's something you have to be quite intentional about. And always to keep learning, because when I saw this question from you, I had my own thoughts on it. But just by speaking to two or three friends about it, it was really interesting how much I've learned in like the space of a week on this particular topic and how much I want to go learn and how much it's making me think, right, what? what could I help to do to facilitate something or who might I be able to bring in a room that could open up the discussion around this? So it's not that because you have privilege that it's a bad thing. Actually, it's more if you recognise that you have privilege, then what can you do to help others in this space? Thank you, Steph. Um, in in my experience, self-promotion can be exhausting, <laughs> yes. especially with like social media and being connected all the time. And when you have your your own business, you always want to be on, on top of things and, and telling people what you're doing, trying to offer so much value, learn with others, educate others. So how do you manage your energy levels? Me personally, or is that a question to the to the listeners? I'd love to know you personally, because you also do like a, I mean, it's part of your job. You do a lot of, you know, public speaking and, and talking about your business. And what, what advice would you have for uh, women who are not necessarily on stage every day, but, you know, who, who have like, you know, jobs and they need to self-promote themselves and they need to encourage others to do the same? So one of the things I've observed over the past four years of running my business is... The hardest thing is making it a habit. 
So once you overcome that hurdle of, fine, I need to do this and I can see that it does benefit me, it's staying on top of it exactly as you said. So I would recommend things like putting in your diary every Friday, say 11 o'clock, 10, 20 minutes, one hour, just to reflect on two or three things you've done you're happy with. And just to caveat on that as well, I think it's so important that we talk about things we're happy with. They don't have to be huge. It could be saying no. It could be setting boundaries. It could be having a difficult conversation. Like when I've talked to people in the past about this, they're like, oh my God, I don't even have one thing to celebrate a month, let alone a week. And I was like, you do, you're just, you're being hard on yourself, you know? And I think when you can get into that habit, that's a really good place because first of all, you're reflecting on your progress and you're regularly reminding yourself of the growth you are having. But it just means that when you get asked that question of like, why do you deserve this over someone else? Or what have you done? You've already thought it through because the hardest and worst thing is like somebody asking, oh, why should you do this? And you're like, uh, I have no idea. Uh, I don't I don't <laughs> think I can get dressed well, let alone, you know, do this job well. So that creating a habit around reflection is one of the most important things to do. And then I think um, I actually did a talk recently with Stephen Bartlett and he said something around experimentation. He said, every week I ask my team to experiment. And even if the results aren't good, it's to show that we're growing and we're trying new things. And I really loved that. And it made me realize how little I experiment. But what I liked about that was so often when we self-promote and the reason it becomes a chore is we can feel like, oh, I've got to do this same thing again. I've got yeah. to make a video again. I've got to do this again. And actually, it's almost trying to find out what forms of self-promotion you do actually enjoy doing. Like, what does what do you enjoy? Like, I actually like writing a LinkedIn post. I feel like it's an easy format to do. I can do it for two minutes on the train or I could spend an hour doing it, you know. I don't have to have done my makeup. I don't have to have, you know, prepped myself or written a script for this. So trying to find forms of self-promotion that doesn't feel as big a hurdle, that doesn't feel as intimidating as it can be. Um, And, you know, and, and smaller scale things like if you are scared of speaking in meetings or promoting yourself to your boss, like having conversations with peers and being like, oh, I'm really happy I just did this because this has happened and I actually never thought I'd be able to do that. You know, those smaller conversations that you're having, they have the potential to be shared with other people. So don't overlook those very small steps that you can make that can have a really big impact with your your self-promotion. And I think, you know, if you are in a position to bulk create content, and this is probably more for the the um, self-founded business or or the creators, is definitely pre-make loads of LinkedIn posts, Instagram posts. Um, And the same goes for, you know, if you want to share things at work, you know, as you're going through your week, write down the successes as they happen so that you've got this document that you can share at the end of the year. I, I famously tell the story that when I went in for a pay review, my boss said, bring in three things you've done well. So I took in 24 things I'd done well because I wasn't going <laughs> to limit myself to three things in a year. I was like, that's not all yeah. I've done. And, you know, but that was a, I was able to do that because I was regularly tracking my successes as they happened. 
So, I, you know, I think all of those things that I've mentioned are important. But the reason that tracking the success as they happen is so important is so often when we get to the end of the year, we're tired, we're burnt out, we're exhausted, we don't feel good about ourselves. We forget all of the good things that we do, yeah. which is why it is so important to have that like fuck being humble moment once a week so <laughs> that you are reflecting it, saying it, talking about it. And ultimately, it sounds cheesy, but believing it because no one's going to believe what you say unless you believe it. And so often we are our own worst critics. We are the inner critic in ourselves is is the worst person to be around. So you have to do all that internal work to cancel out that voice in order for other people to see how good you are. And I think when you're able to convince yourself and carry that self-worth, then you are able to communicate it in a much stronger way than being like, yeah, I know I'm good, but secretly deep down thinking I still feel like a fraud. Yeah. And maybe everyone should just straight away add like a calendar, <laughs> you know, invite um, 11 a.m. on a Friday, fuck being humble and have one, two, three, create like a, you know, yearly, <laughs> like a weekly, sorry, a weekly, weekly invite for the next year and write one, two, three every Friday. So tomorrow, guys, you can get started um, and then and then review it. And, you know, you know, it's there. Um, and I can I, I can definitely, you know, sh share like when I was working in finance, self-promotion for me was super difficult because that's not something um, actually you know, people do and it feels a bit awkward. It feels a bit crass to self-promote. So there's other ways to do it. And, and you talked about LinkedIn posts. And I think the beauty of LinkedIn is you can share, instead of sharing your own achievements that, of course, you can keep for, you know, yourself, your boss, your team. Can you share stuff that you've learned or stuff that can be valuable to others and, and, and like experiences? Um, because people will start to see a, a lot of value into this. And, and, and that's also a form of, of self-promotion. So it doesn't need to be that direct, like I've done this or that. Uh, but actually, what, what can I teach to others? Uh, yeah, I always talk about that, actually. And I, I, I share a story in my book about the fact that um, Shani Mears, who's the CEO, of the co-founder, yeah. sorry, of The Elephant Room, which is a creative agency, one of the things she did to get that role to elevate her profile was by sharing a weekly email of top insights, top influencers, events, trends, things that she was seeing, sharing it with the company and saying, like, I hope this helps. I hope this benefits. Any project yeah. you're working on, any brief... And she was doing it weekly, I believe. And people were messaging her like, when is the email coming in? Can't wait to read it. Or we've just won a project using your email. Thank you so much. And I think so often, again, with self-promotion, we just assume that it is, I need to, you know, share my successes as loud as possible. When actually self-promotion is about demonstrating the value you bring. And that can be done in by sharing successes. It can be done by sharing testimonials, but it can also be done by adding value to others. And that is a form of self-promotion. So again, from a particularly from a corporate perspective, you're working internally, do ask yourself, how and where could I be sharing my expertise and knowledge? And particularly in areas that maybe you don't think are being utilized. So that was definitely my thing when I started running Fuck Being Humble on the side was that I wanted to do more events and public speaking. And in turn, what I ended up doing was more speaking and events at work. And that helped massively to elevate my profile. And I got to travel around the world and do some epic events and work with some great clients off That's the back amazing. of having the courage to step forward and say, I'm going to go 
do something and share this expertise and and show there are other things that I could be utilised for that aren't currently being used. And finally, I wanted to talk a little bit about money and how all of this like self-promotion is can also help you know, your finances. So it can help you get a salary increase. It can help you when you're a freelancer, business owner, to have the confidence to, you know, have these conversations about about money, your successes, the value, you know, you, you bring to, to the table. What is your experience um, and, and what are your tips for, you know, asking for more and, and recognizing your, your worth? Yeah, so I, I would say I recognized my worth very quickly and I didn't ever stick around if it wasn't rewarded accordingly hence my moving of jobs regularly I think I had a few unfortunate situations where it was like yeah 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 you're gonna get the promotion you're gonna get the pay rise and then it was honestly just pulled from under me and it was like oh that was that's not cool and the the way it was discussed with me wasn't good and yeah what I ended up doing was each time quitting and each time I was asked to stay and the money was eventually then thrown at me. And and for me, that was, it was too late. One, because I'd often gone and found another job. But two, because if you don't pay me and reward me when I'm in the role, then I don't want to stick around and be walked all over. And, you know, whether you agree with that sentiment or not, I always got a promotion. I always got a pay rise because I knew I deserved to be, valued and recognized and rewarded accordingly and when I didn't feel I was I would move rooms and I continue to do that really but I I think that that was a big learning for me is that when it comes to jobs there's a big myth about finding a dream job I hate to be burst bubbles here but very rarely do you find somewhere that's amazing location amazing people amazing work Uh, amazing teams amazing money everything all comes into (laughs) one honestly I search and search and search it's very hard to find so I think what you've got to look at is like if your job is serving you for certain reasons and you're happy with state you want to stay there then it's about looking where can I make money elsewhere whether that's investments e.g Emily giving great advice on that whether it's side hustles whether it's freelancing on the whatever it may be that's one option the other option is you you move on and I think so often people don't have that courage to do that but companies will get rid of you as quickly as they will hire you and they also will do the hardest not to pay you. And this is something I wrote in my book and I share it at a lot of my events. Like, why would they go out of their way to pay you loads of money when they can get away with not paying you that money? So just really have those regular check-ins where you go have the interview at a competitor or you go speak to recruiters and find out what the market rate is and find out what you're currently worth right now because it's very easy to lose yourself in a job and it's very easy easy to be told like oh well you know that's the company way you don't get a pay rise for three years or you don't get this until that and I'm just not one for believing that and I don't think you should have to stand for it I think as a founder what I've learned is I mean, pricing is hard. You you know, when you are negotiating for one salary once a year, that's one thing. But when you are pitching yourself every day and you're All having to time. constantly say your costs, <laughs> and I've had people say, my boss says you're too expensive. We don't have your budget, all of these. And I know I'm not too expensive for, for, for like the record. <laughs> there are so many times where you get knocked down. I think my three pieces of advice on this, I talk about in my book and I talk about in my events is 
what number would make you really happy to do the job for? So what do you get really excited to do the job? Don't be ridiculous about it. Don't say like two million, obviously, because that's not that attainable. But what would you be like? Do you know what? I'm getting out of bed today and I am excited to do this job is the first question. What's the lowest you're willing to accept? Because ultimately that will stop you spending time on dead leads that just aren't worth your time. Um, So what is the lowest you're willing to accept? And if an opportunity comes through and it's below it, then you're like, no, sorry, I only accept things higher than this. And also, what are you willing to work for free for? Because I talk about this a lot is that like so many amazing opportunities that have happened through my business have come from me offering a one free session or me Mm -hmm. giving a free talk or me doing something to build a relationship in the first point. And then that's gone on to be a year long collaboration. So I do think those three questions are really important because it saves you so much time. I now know that if I see something, unless I really love the brand or the initiative, I'm like, sorry, that's not my budget. I can't do it for any less. Or the other thing I'd say, and, and this is something I learned particularly through the pandemic, is if you've got a set fee that you usually work for, have a think about what's something that you can offer at a lower tier, at a lower price product, so you don't lose that sale. So I always have, no. from my background in advertising marketing, never lose a sale, right? So when I used to get people saying, well, we don't have that budget, it wasn't right that I should have to lower my fees and my worth because they don't have the budget. So I would say, okay, well, for the budget you do have, I can offer you this. It's a different product. It's shorter. It's less value. But if you'd like to work with me, this is a great way to get going. And actually, that was such a great thing for me to do because I grew relationships. I, I opened doors, particularly at a finan- during a financial crisis, right? And I think it's... Yeah. It's irresponsible for me to say, never lower your costs, never do this, because I I don't think that is the case. I do often lower my costs if I feel it's comfortable to do that or if I feel like it's the right opportunity. But I do it in a way where I make them see I am not just saying, sure, I'm going to half my price. I'm saying, sure, here's this product and it's a completely different offering, but you can still get a bit of me if you'd like to work with me. And then that's a really great way to protect yourself, keep a lead, and also just nurture a new relationship. So try and remember that that message of like, how can you never miss a sale by offering something slightly lower price, where they still get some of you, but they don't get all of that magic. And when they are ready to find the budget that you were asking for, then they can have your magic. Thank you so much, Steph. Um, And and finally, can you tell me a little bit about the, the power of storytelling? Because I think it's fascinating. It was really part of your advertising journey also and part of, of Fuck Being Humble. Um, so I'd love to know how that can help with, with self-promotion. One of the first things I talk to people about when it comes to creating a social me- media strategy or a self-promotion strategy that lives on social media or anywhere is to pull out your personal stories. Um, it's always going to be a thing that people connect with. People love an underdog as well. Like that's something that people want to know what you've been through, how you got there. And I think so often, you know, and my business is a perfect example of this. If at face value, you just saw everything and I was saying, fuck being humble, never be humble, all of this, you could easily make a assumption or a critique of me and my brand. But what helps is is me, the, the person that comes through, the stories that I tell about having the most toxic boss that you've ever met in my first ever job and it being 
nearly destructive to my career, to constantly risking opportunities and putting myself out there, to knowing that I wanted to be a TEDx speaker. So I decided I was going to create my own stage and run my own events and book myself as the speaker. You know, these stories that I bring to the surface are what people emotionally connect with me on. And it's actually part of the reason that I struggle sometimes to see how I could pass fuck being humble on to anyone else because nobody has lived your life the way you've lived it. And that's something that I think is so important to remember with self-promotion is that there's these personal stories and these experiences that you will have gone through that so many other people may identify with, may need to hear to feel seen and heard, um, maybe waiting for someone else to be like, oh, I feel that too, that it's such a powerful thing to to add to your brand, to add to the direction you're going into. And I, I know personally, I have such strong relationships with people that are able to share that storytelling side. So I think there's personal stories always come into it. But again, you know, I would not be where I am today without the name Fuck Being Humble. It is the single yeah. best piece of advertising I have ever created in my life because <laughs> it, it it immediately hooks people. And I think that's the really important thing with storytelling is if you're launching a product, what's that catchy title that people are going to be like, oh, that sounds new, that sounds different. If you're giving a keynote, what can you put in it that feels completely out there and unusual? Or what's a statement you can say? Like at my events for networking, I say like, don't be... um don't be a booty call, be a friend. And like people always cling on to that. They're like, oh my God, that's so funny. And it's like, <laughs> how can you add that unexpectedness into your storytelling so that you get people to sit up? Because we are constantly bombarded with messages every single day. So I really do believe it's like looking at the spaces that you want to tell stories in and really asking yourself, what are the changes that could be made? What are the disruptive messages? What are the insights that are not being talked about? What are the the societal or cultural references I could pull in to make this more relatable? Like, what are all of these things that could help to create a storytelling style for me that could really work? But at the, at the foundation, the core of it, it has to work for you. Because I don't think other people could take on my presentation and my stories and, and do it the same way I can. <laughs> and likewise, I'm sure you feel the same, Emily, that it is really important that you figure out that version for yourself but I I, I honestly believe storytelling is 50% of your career success I think 50% of it is the hard work and I think the other side is is storytelling and I think the sooner you get on board with that the more success the better results you will see and actually the more connections you'll build and and for me having come to London with not a single connection to my name I didn't have any cool uncles that worked at Vice Media or a photography studio or anything like that my network is my net worth and the people that I have supporting me cheerleading me the people that I can tap into and all of that has come from storytelling and putting myself out there and I think so many of us miss out on building a rich network of people that can support us because we don't see the importance of it so all of it storytelling everything that you want to do with self-promotion the benefit is the people that you will get to meet support you and will help motivate you to do the, the best things in your career 
Steph, thank you so much. Um, I loved having this chat with you. We can find you at fuckbeinghumble.com, buy your book, Fuck Being Humble, of course, and watch your TED Talks, everything in the show notes. I hope to see you very soon in person. Me too. Thank you so much for ha having me. It's been so nice to chat. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Wallet. Please share this show with your friends and subscribe on your favorite platform. You can also leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It only takes a few seconds, but it helps more people find our show. Join us again next Thursday for another episode of The Wallet. I will answer many listeners' questions about women and investing and the gender investing gap, giving you lots of tips to get started or continue investing. <laughs>